It seems these days that nearly everybody has stories to tell, stories about people exhibiting out-of-control anger. Maybe you have some stories like that. I can tell you about the time I was in a bakery and a man came so unglued that he started pounding the bakery case with his fist and shouting at the clerk until the police had to be called so he could be hauled out. I can also tell you about the time my friend made someone angry on the highway. She doesn't even know what she did. And this person followed her into a shopping center parking lot and pulled up behind her and jumped out of their car and spit on her windshield before getting back in their car and driving off in a huff. And then my son, Andy, can tell you about the time uh, when he was in college working for Starbucks, when he saw a customer throw change into the face of one of his coworkers because this young man had not made the correct drink. Afterward, the manager took my son and his friend aside and said to them, I'm sorry, what are you gonna do? There are just a lot of angry people in this world. Well, friends, I think that's true. There are a lot of angry people in this world, and if you're like me, maybe you're feeling that there's sort of a significant uptick in the number of angry people who are acting out in terrible ways in our society. And because there are so many, I'm afraid, it's tempting to shrug our shoulders then and throw up our hands and say, what are you gonna do? There are just a lot of angry people in this world, and then accept that, sort of live into it, Accept that ugliness and the destruction and the pain that that causes in our world. But friends, i got to tell you, I, I don't think we can do that. I don't think that we can accept that kind of anger being acted out in that way in our culture. We cannot. Not only because it's incredibly unhealthy, and I think we can all agree on that, right? It's just incredibly unhealthy. I, I think about our children and our grandchildren what they are witnessing, what that's doing to them, what kind of world they're going to inherit with all this terrible anger unleashed out into the world. But also, friends, I, I believe with my whole heart that we can't accept this as Christian people because God calls us to be a force for good and for God in the world. Christ calls us to be peacemakers to join him in peacemaking, to bring about the peaceable kingdom. He doesn't tell us we can throw up our hands. Instead, I think, friends, we're called to put a stake in the ground somewhere, and then the question becomes, where do we do that? Well, Jesus says the place we do that is right here. Right here at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. Right here in the midst of the worshiping community right here at the altar. He says, so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first. Be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Friends, it is easy to be overwhelmed with the anger and with the ugliness in this world, but Jesus says we are not impotent, that we have power by grace, 
And friends, I believe that if we act together to deal with this, to make it right, if we act together to be peacemakers, well, then that's the first step to changing the world for good and for God. As the old hymn says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. So Jesus says, if at the altar you remember. Friends, if you notice how the altar tends to be a place of remembering, sometimes the memories are just so thick in the air here, are they not? Together here at the altar, we remember the great stories of the faith, don't we? We remember Noah and the ark and David and Goliath, Moses and Miriam, the faithfulness of Ruth. And of course, remember Jesus. Together here, we remember the story of his holy birth of shepherds and angels and wise men. We remember his ministry, his life. We remember how he was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John, how he turned water into wine at the wedding feast. He multiplied loaves and fish to feed a huge crowd. He walked on water. He healed blind Bartimaeus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He defended the woman accused of adultery and sent her accusers packing. We remember all of that, don't we? And two, we remember here sacred moments in our own lives, do we not? Here at the altar, we remember baptisms and confirmations, professions of faith, weddings, funerals of loved ones. I've lost track, friends, of the number of times in church I've opened the hymnal and been singing some old hymn and found my eyes filled with tears because in this place, as I sing that song, I remember those who used to sing with me people beloved to me who have gone to live with God. And as I sing that song in, in a sacred place like this, I remember their hand holding the hymnal with mine. I remember them standing strong and tall. And in this sacred place, as I sing that old hymn, it is as if they stand beside me again. Do you know what I mean? But then, too, truth be told, the altar is also a place that we remember our brokenness. It's a place of confession for us, isn't it? It's a place where we remember our sin. It is a place where we remember if we are truly angry at a brother or a sister. We remember that we have something against someone that we somehow need to Reconcile, we remember all of that. And I think the reason why, friends, is that the altar is a dangerous place too. It's a dangerous place because when you're at the altar, well, you're not pretending, are you? Not the altar. We're not flexing. We're not trying to be somebody we're not. We're try not trying to be defensive. We're not trying to be right. We're just here being ourselves open and vulnerable before God. And in that openness, we remember, and that remembrance, friends, I think is a kind of altar call. 
an altar call from God who sees through to our heart and knows the anger that we sometimes hold, the resentments that we need to heal, and calls us to reach out to our brother or sister in Christ to deal with it, to let go of that anger and to heal those relationships. I think, friends, that also at those times of closeness to God at the altar, we hear God whisper the real truth that all of life is worship, that we really can't separate love of God and love of neighbor, that we can't come to the altar to to worship fully with our whole heart if our heart is also full of anger turned towards our brother or sister, and we need to make things right. This is why Jesus says, there's a sense of urgency, you see. If you come to the altar and you have something against a brother or sister, you know they're angry at you and you need to make things right, leave your gift and go. Make things right. Then come back. Then come back because then you can worship God with your whole heart. Now a few words of caution here. First, There is nowhere in Holy Scripture that Jesus says anger in and of itself is sinful. Anger is just an emotion that human beings have. We don't have control over whether we experience anger. It just comes to us, and it did to Jesus too. Remember, he was fully human as well as fully divine. We read in Holy Scripture how Jesus became angry when he saw hypocrisy or cruelty People judging others and heaping burdens upon them, he became very angry. Now what matters, friends, is what we do with that anger after we experience it. For God gives us the power to make a decision there. Do we hold on to it and nurture it until it turns into hard resentment? Or do we deal with it and make things right? Second, Recognize that we can't always reconcile with folks because we can't force them. Sometimes there are boundaries we can't cross. If we reach out to a brother or sister in Christ to try to make things right and that person resists, then let it go. Let it go. It's okay. The hard spiritual work is done when we make up our mind to let go of the anger and reach out in forgiveness and love. And then finally, friends, recognize that not every relationship should be resurrected. If a relationship has involved violence or abuse, true hurt and pain, Jesus doesn't ask us to come back into a relationship with a person who will continue to abuse us. We are not called to be eternal doormats we're allowed to be safe. What Jesus is asking us to do is deal with our anger in healthy circumstances where it's safe for us, where it's normal. And when we do that, he says, we can come and worship with a whole heart. And so, friends, that sense of urgency is definitely there. We've got to deal with it if we're mad at somebody 
We've got to deal with it and not let it fester. This is why the Apostle Paul says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Because if we leave it and it festers and it hardens over time, friends, it can set the tone for our whole life. There was a woman over 60 years old who told this story to her pastor. She said that when she was growing up, there were six children in her family. And for them, supper time was the most wonderful time of the day. They all came together around the, the table, and she said her mother and father were always there, and they said grace, and then they shared details about their day. And they laughed together, and they supported one another. It was the anchor time for their family. And then she said when she was about seven years old, dinner time came, and the kids weren't called to the table. Instead, she said that she heard her parents shouting at each other. They had never heard their parents shout each other at each other like that before. It was terrible. A couple of the older children peeked around a corner and saw, she said, her, her mother and her father in the kitchen, and their faces were red, and they were saying terrible things, terrible things to each other. The children were so frightened, they went and hid in a bedroom. After a little while, she said, her father came and got them, and they came to the supper table, but her parents weren't speaking to each other. Her mother served the food in silence, and nothing was said that evening during the meal at all. And not the next night, and not the next night, and not the next night, and went on and on, just silence. Gradually, over weeks, she said, her parents began to speak to one another civilly, but there was no affection. And supper time was never the same. Ultimately, she said her family was never the same because they never dealt with it. They never, ever dealt with it. My friends, if you're sitting here this morning and you feel that altar call on your heart, God whispering to you that there is someone that you are angry at, someone that you resent, and you need to make it right, then do so today. Maybe you need to get up and walk across the sanctuary when worship ends and put out a hand of friendship. Maybe you need to go home today and make a phone call to someone that you've needed to talk to for a long time. Maybe you just need to send a text. Maybe you need to write a letter. But whatever it is, do it. Deal with it. Make it right. Let go of the anger and reconcile with your brother or your sister in Christ. Because friends, if we will all take those kinds of actions, are putting a stake in the ground here, today. We are peacemakers. And in that, we are joining with Christ and building a kingdom of peace on earth. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks, for you know our every human emotion as you lived our life. 
Lord, you know how angry we sometimes get. But Lord, let us put our pride aside and open our heart to you. Answer that whispered altar call and reach out to reconcile with our brothers and sisters so that we can be peacemakers in this world. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.